Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So good to be here. Excite Church. How good is Excite Church? Man, it's an absolute privilege to just come and be with you. I feel absolutely, totally at home. That's because half my family is already here, which is, which is awesome, and, and serving in part of the church, which is good. I have heard so many good things about this church, and uh, honestly, Paul and Ruth, thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it. Just allow me to come and uh, just share this morning. And I love your thing, restoration. Is, I think it's just, it's God's heart. You know, he's, he's the God of the second chance. He's the God of the third chance. He's the God of the fourth chance. He's the God of the 2019th chance. Who needs that? You know, you know we, we need, you know, the God who allows us. He makes a way for us, who brings life, who brings health, who restores us. He comes and makes a way for us. And so, yeah, it's awesome to have my wife, wonderful wife Priscilla, Finn, I've got, uh, who's 11. He is absolutely awesome. I've got two daughters, Georgia, who's uh, 16, and Harper, who is 12. And they got way too busy social lives to uh, leave Auckland at the moment. So they, they said they weren't coming. So it's like, all right, we'll leave you at home. It's all good. So this morning, uh, the title of my message is Total Recall, and it's not just an Arnie Schwarzenegger movie, uh, it's actually God's heart to, to, to recall us. You know, so, so often we, we, we hear the call of God, we hear the, the presence of God and go, yeah man, I'm in, put my hand up, all good, let's do this. And then for, for one reason or another, we find ourselves not walking with God, or we find ourselves in a place where things aren't brilliant, and, but God calls us back. He has this heart for us, and he, he loves us so much. He goes out of his way to, uh, to find us and, and call us, which I, I think is awesome. I think it's necessary. Uh, and this morning I want to base uh, my sermon out of the life of Peter, because uh, Peter, he gets, he gets the call up. Uh, right at the beginning and in Matthew, you'll find in Matthew chapter 4, and uh, one of the first disciples, and he's walking just along the Sea of and Jesus comes up to him and, and he sees him and he just basically calls him and says, come follow me. And, and we know Peter, he immediately, he, he drops his nets, says, I'm in, let's do this. It's going to be awesome. Let, let's, and there's that heart. You know, when you hear the call of God, when, when Jesus comes to you and just says, come follow, it's, it's a time to say, all right, come on. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege to be part of the kingdom of God. And he calls us, and we know Peter walks closely with Jesus for the next three years. And, and he, he's brilliant time. He's, he's right on the inner circle. You know, he's, he's, with the, he's, he's invited to all the Barbies. He's invited to, you know, he's, he's hanging out. He's walking on water. He, he's, he's doing it. He's seen the miracles. He's walking for, for three years. It's, it's, it's all brilliant and, and going well. Loving this time, we've seen the kingdom of God expand. And, and then it comes to, we're going to fast forward three years and we come to the Last Supper and there he is and Jesus has gathered the boys around as the last feed and they're sitting around, they're breaking bread together, got some wine, having a good time and he's sitting down with them explaining that, hey, I've got to go, I've got to go to the cross and um, they're pretty gutted about this and in Matthew 26, 31 it says, Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. It is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. He says, look, I'll catch you guys up in Galilee. And uh, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. It's, you know, I'm your man. I got your back. <laughs> you know, all these guys, man, they may fade, but not me. I'm with you to the end, to the end. I'm here. 
And uh, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered him, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Oh, man, you feel that? Jesus declared, man, even, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. How many times have we made big statements? We're going, ah, oh, I'm doing this, I'm in. And see, he has this appointment of God upon his life, and then comes the, the disappointment. Where if you read a few verses down in Matthew 26, verse 69, Peter's sitting out, and this is Jesus, he's, he's called in, and he's arrested, and Peter's sitting outside the courtyard, and the servant girls come up to him, and he says, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What are, what are you talking about, he said. And he went out of the gateway, and there's another servant girl who saw him and said to the people there, this fellow, this guy, he, he's, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. Don't know the guy. And after a little while, those standing there with him, he said, surely, man, you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the, the rooster crows. And Jesus remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He went outside, and we must, here's Peter. He was the guy. He denies Jesus three times. Not only, he's cursing, you know. I don't blankety blank blank know who that blankety blank who this is. You know, he, he's taking it to a you know, next level he, on there. He, he's declaring, I don't, I don't know who he is. But there's, and there's this moment of denial, this moment of absolute disappointment where you've got failure, you've got severe relationship, you've got disconnection, and, and he goes back fishing. This is over. You know, we, we, it was a good time while it lasted, but, you know, Jesus is gone. I'm going fishing. And I love, when we fast forward it again a little bit to John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Because remember, he said, I'm going to meet you up at the Sea of Galilee, right? So the boys, they'd gone back fishing. They said, I'm out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll just go to do what we knew what we were doing in the, in the first place. We'll just go fishing. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, also known as Dimitri Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples, they're together. The boys got together. Who likes going fishing? Yeah, <laughs> come on. They get out there on the water. Going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, okay, we're in. We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and they, they caught nothing. It's not happening. They defaulted back. Early in the morning, Jesus... Here he is. He's gone to the cross. He's crucified. But he keeps turning up. That's what I love about Jesus. He, he keeps turning up. He keeps turning up. It's like, oh man, we can run. But he keeps turning up. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, you got any fish? Nah. They answered. He said, throw your net the other side of the boat and you'll find something. They did that and they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. Now, I thought about this a bit because I was thinking, man, why on earth 
would you put your garment on? Why would you put your cloak on and then jump into the water? And this is, this is a side revelation. It has nothing to do with the sermon. But I thought about this and I thought, I reckon that Peter every night thought, if I ever get the chance to walk on water again, I'm in. And I thought every night, I'd say, walking on water. Man, remember that time I walked on water and Jesus called me out? If ever, man, I'd love to do that again. I reckon he saw Jesus on the shore, thought, he's calling me. It's Jesus. Putting on my jacket. I'm in. Steps out of the boat. Splash. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, <laughs> it swims into the shore. That bit's for free this morning, <laughs> okay? The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 metres. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, full of fish, 153 of them. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And again, I, I love this. It's, it's the call. It's call back to relationship. Come have a feed. I've cooked your breakfast. None of the disciples did. Because this is awkward. I mean, Peter's feeling real awkward at this point. He knows what happened. He denied him. What's Jesus going to say to him? Is it, you know, you know when they get the call and you think, oh, you know, oh no, principal's office. <laughs> You've got to face this. What's he going to say? He's going to tear strips off me. I knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. It's communion. It's bread, fish, it's life, it's food. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Peter said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He says, oh, man. Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know. You know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he reinstates him. He's denied Christ three times. And he calls him three times. And he positions him back into this place. So I love that Jesus goes out of his way to find us. He leaves the 99 to find the one. He goes in search of us. And his heart is total recall, is total reinstatement, is total the goodness of God there. Even though we mess up, he's about relationship. Do you love me? It's about love. It's about heart. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than you, your friends? Do you love me more than this job? Do you love me more than these fish, these nets, do you love me more than food, do you love me more than your past life, do you love me? And and he restores us to this place, this position, and see, because forgiveness and and restoration, it it goes hand in hand, and he calls him to follow him, and and, and as we know with the life of Peter, his legacy, you know, he gets up a few days later, the day of Pentecost, and he preaches this amazing sermon, all these people get saved, the church starts, is built, he went on to live boldly for Jesus for the rest of his life. And about 30 years later, we find that he, he actually is crucified. He asked to be crucified upside down. And Nero asked to be crucified in the arena, and he passes at that point. But he lives this life of passion because he was reinstated. And, and we need that reinstatement, that call of God on us. See, that's God's heart. That's God's heart about this whole thing. 
And you say, oh, get in. That, that's, that's a great story. That's, that's real good. We, you know, we like the Bible stories and see through it. Let's, let's get personal. Let's get real around it. Because it's, it's, it's easy to preach sometimes stuff, isn't it? It's harder to live it out. And, uh, you know, with me and my dad, you know, as some of you know, my dad ran a brilliant church in Auckland, amazing church. And uh, as some of you know, uh, my dad messed up at one point. And it went, went bad. And I'm not going to go into details this morning, but he, he was out of ministry due to his failings about 20 years ago. And for me, I was like, oh, man. And uh, for me, he's my dad. I love my dad. And I worked hard on restoration, and the relationship with my dad, brilliant. And came, and that, that was all good. And, uh, but restoration around ministry, I was kind of like, let's just keep those two things separate, Right? put it in the too hard basket and I was going oh you know I was pastoring in Auckland and one of the times I was the associate pastor at a church in Howick and uh, Pastor Wayne who was the pastor of the church he comes to me and says hey Glenn hey when are we going to get your dad to come and preach and I was going yeah nah <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah and, and we we're actually on a we were on a mission to Fiji which is the greatest place to go on missions to and uh, I, I was reading my bible and uh, I was reading my Bible, and, and uh, this this verse, which God really speaks to me. And I, you know how some people say, you know, God spoke to me, and you have 20 revelations before breakfast. I don't get those. I'm like, once every five years, 10 years. Anyway, this is, this is one of the genuine times I feel God spoke to me. I was, I was reading my Bible, and this verse, 2 Samuel 14, verse 14, it says this, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But this is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him forever. And that's God's heart. God's cunning. He, he, he devises plans. He goes out of his way to bring back the banished. You know, my dad at that point was in Kaitaia. You know, that's a place of exile, right? <laughs> Of anywhere, uh, come on. <laughs> Place of banishment. <laughs> but when I read this and I, I looked at it and said, man, we've got to make a way for people to come back and make room for people and bring back. This is what God desires. You know, and, and, and when you read through the context of the scripture, I mean, it is messy. What I love about the Bible, it doesn't shy away from the messiness of life. When the scripture was about David, King David and his son Absalom, and, I mean, these are David's kids. We've got Amnon, who falls in love with his sister Tamar. He's got the total hots for her. And so he goes after his sister, and then she rejects him. So he rapes her. Not good. So Absalom thinks, that's not good. My sister's got raped. I'm going to kill Amnon. So he kills him. How messed up is that? You know, we think sometimes stuff, you know, is messed up. But it doesn't shy from it. I love that the Bible includes some of these stories. It's, it's messy. And so this woman, this wise woman, she comes to David and she includes the scripture and she tells this, this story, this, this parable. And, and he calls David back. And so David, he, he brings his son Absalom back, because Absalom, he, he was in exile. He, he was out, he was banished from the kingdom. So David 
brings the son back. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to bring back. And then someone said to me, you know, when I shared the scripture, I said, hey, Glenn, did you not know that that Absalom goes bad in the end? That, it, you know, in the, eventually that Absalom rise up against his dad and um, overthrows the kingdom. Think, oh, yeah. And then I looked at it and read it through. And, and I read it. What happens is David brings his son back, but he refuses to speak to him. He says, hey, you can come back to Jerusalem, but I'm not going to talk to you. You can, you can stay, you can come back, but I'm, I'm going to have a relationship with you. And I think so often that we can do that in church. We forgive people and say, so you can come back into church, but hey, if you can just sit at the back or you can just sit over there and just be quiet and not do anything, that'll be fine, thanks. You know? Do we do that? Come on. Not here. Not here. No, Ruth. Of course not. Never. Yeah. <laughs> what happens with that? It breeds discontent. It breeds discontent. We must make a way for people. Total reinstatement. Total recall. Yeah, and, and I know, I know, I, I've walked this. I know there needs to be repentance, there needs to be good counsel, there needs to be good time, and there's, you know, all wisdom around that stuff. I know that. But the heart of God, yeah. he devises plans, he goes out of his way to bring people back yeah. and to make a way for them and to restore them. This thing of restoration is so important for the kingdom of God at this time. There are so many people out of church, out of relationship, people have lost their faith because we don't know how to restore them properly. And we need to have a way that brings them back. He's into the reconciliation business. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance. He bends relationships. You know, like water spilled on the ground. You know, have you ever spilled something? And then you try to clean it up, and it's just, oh, man, that's gone. That's, that's You can't get it back. See, it's not over. God hasn't finished the story yet. You know, and I, now that I run my own church, you know, I love having my dad come and preach in my church. It's brilliant. There's always a God thing which happens with that. And I thank you guys for allowing that platform here as well. Blessing to me. It's good. Thank you for making a way. See, see you know, even in, in the prodigal son, brilliant story which Jesus tells, Luke chapter 15, you know, when the prodigal son goes away and, and he comes back and he comes back and he, and he starts... His I'm not worthy speech. You know, I'm no longer worthy to, to be your son. Just, just make me a hired servant. Just, just make me a slave. See, so often when we think, when we come back to the things of God, we say, oh man, I, I just, I can't, I'm not worthy to be the son again. I can't. can't. But the father, he cuts him off right at the point. No, no, no. No, no, that's not how this is going to go down. He says, bring out the ring, the sandals, the cloak. It speaks of reinstatement. It speaks of recall. It speaks of authority. It speaks of position. And it says, man, this is who you are. And he places them back in, the, in that place of sonship. And that's what God wants to do. Total restoration. So, so how, as a church, because I believe this is so important as a church, how do we bring the banished home? How do we do that? There's people who want to come into the church, into the kingdom of God. Number one, don't be like King David. You know, you can come back, but I'm not going to talk to you. That's rubbish. That is rubbish. Or in the prodigal son story, don't like be the older brother. 
You know, when the older brother hears that his little brother's who's messed up is coming back, what's he do? He gets angry. He's peeved off. He's not. He's not talking either. He's saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm." He's refusing to go to the party. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And one of the reasons the prodigals don't go come home is that they're scared of meeting the older brother. How often have you heard, hey, hey, I love God. I love God. But I really just don't know if I can come back into church. I don't know if I'm going to be accepted or going to be condemned or if I'm going to be judged. But walk through those doors. You know, they're going to meet the older brother, oh, you mucked up, you messed up, go sit over there. No, we've got, we got to feel the father's embrace. You know, see, the father, he, he's, he's looking, he's looking out, and he looks to, so come, draws in, embraces. See, we can choose to avoid or engage, put it in the two hard guts. And Kiwis, let's be honest, Kiwi blokes, we're not good at this, are we? You know? We don't like conflict, awkward situations, we tend to avoid them. But can I call you as a church? Let's go the other way. Yeah. Let's go the other way. Let's embrace, engage. Go out of our way to bring people home. Light some Barbies on the beach. Yeah. Kill the fatted car. Yeah. Get some juicy steaks. <laughs> Forgive and restore. Yeah. See, that's the sort of church I want to be part of. Yeah. That's the sort of church I want to be part of. The church where there's restoration, where we bring the banished home. You know, have you ever been disappointed? You know, had that moment of disappointment where you, you know you're a part of something, or you've been removed from your position. Maybe that was because of your own dumb choice or something you did. Maybe that was because of someone else did. Maybe it's a combination. Who knows? These things happen. Been around enough, long enough to know these things happen. And you go, stuff it. I'm going fishing. <laughs> you go, you know, I'm out. You know, today. See, today's a day of restoration. It's a day of reappointment. It's a day of recall. It's a day of recall where God says, no, come on, no, I chose you. I chose you. So come follow me. Come follow me. And he goes out of his way to call us back and to reposition us. See, don't let your worst day define you. We all have dumb days. Don't let that day define you. See, God devises his plans to, to reappoint. See, brokenness, it doesn't disqualify us from being part of God's plan. In fact, the more I'm around, I think brokenness is a little bit necessary. You know, a little bit of humility. Oh, man. I, th- I think that it actually it gives us empathy. It gives us grace. You know, but there's a huge population of people outside the church who are disappointed and have the sense of banishment. See some, see, some people say that time heals. I, I don't actually agree with that. I don't, very rarely have I seen time actually solve anything. Yeah. In fact, I think the longer people say, stay disconnected, the harder it becomes. Yeah. See, what heals is the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. What heals is that embrace. What heals is that, hey, that invite, come around for a feed. Hey, let's, let's sort this out. Come, come. Comes from an invitation. In fact, you know, forgiveness, it doesn't answer all the questions of right and wrong. In fact, forgiveness actually avoids some of those questions. But it allows relationships to start over again. It brings that restoration. It's that, 
that meal, it's that, come on. And can, as a church, can I encourage you, implore you, come on, let's be that sort of church which holds Barbies, throws out a bunch of Easter eggs, does that, that we make a way back for people in everything, in every, how we operate and who we are. The greatest, the greatest decision you can make is to just hand your life over to Jesus. He says, come, follow me. And the greatest plan God devised was to die on a cross. You think, that's strange. But he sent his son. He went way out of his way, from heaven to earth, so that we might have eternal life. So that. And he devises plans, you know, even the fact that you're in this place this morning. You know, I think, man, how the heck did I end up in church on that Sunday morning? You know, maybe you've been dragged along. Maybe someone's, you know, pulled you or anything. Oh, man. But it's not an accident. See, God plans things. He organized things. He's cunning. <laughs> Very cunning. And he calls you. He goes out of his way to find you. He chases after you. And to bring you into that place of relationship. Because he loves people. He loves people so much. And all you have to do is just accept him as your Lord and Savior. So, yeah, coming home. Coming home. And what I want to do this morning, I just want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're away from God for any reason this morning, maybe you walk closely with God. Maybe you're on, on team. You know, maybe you're in that inner circle at one point. For one reason or another, you find yourself. Well, maybe this morning, you, this whole stuff is new to you now. This is weird. And I am. What's this church thing? I don't know. But you know something inside of you is going, hey, this is real. God's calling me. He's after me. And he's made a way for you to come in. And all you've got to do is say, yes, Jesus. Just saying yes to him. It's the greatest thing you can ever do is just, yeah, I'm here. Maybe while eyes are closed this morning, if, if you're in one of those two categories, you're saying, hey, I, I need to say yes to God this morning. I just need to give my life over to him. What I'd love you to do is just raise your hand and give me a wave and I'll see your hand and you'll be able to put it down. I'd love just to pray with you. Is there anyone like that this morning saying yes to God and saying, yeah, yeah, I see your hand, mate. That's awesome. God bless you. It's a new day for you. In the name of Jesus. Anyone else saying yes to God and saying, yeah, I need to just make that decision to follow Jesus Christ this morning. Just give me a wave. No, if I don't see it, just give me a bigger wave. Put your hand up. Just see ya. Love to pray with you and just lead you through in that prayer to Brian Christ. Anyone else this morning saying, yeah, it's me. Just need to make that. Make that call. Anyone else? Don't want to drag this out, but I do know that God pursues people. He goes after you. Anyone else this morning just wants to raise your hand? All right. Let me just pray for this gentleman. I'd love everybody just to pray after me. Dear Jesus, just pray in your, just pray in your heart, sir. And everybody else, let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you found me. Today, I choose you. I choose to be reconciled. I turn from my past and I turn to you. Fill me, forgive me, make my life new. In the name of Jesus, 
Awesome, buddy. Awesome. Give him a hand. So good. So good.